Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a message from John chapter 13. Notice what he says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Notice, just as I have loved you. And what Jesus says then is, because to be team Jesus is you have tasted, you know a little bit about my love for you. If you're wanting to know how you love one another, take the example of how I loved you and do that to each other. In a world filled with hate, Jesus' commandment to love stands in stark contrast, offering a transformative alternative. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt reminds us that even in the face of adversity, love has the potential to reshape hearts and mend the fractures of a broken world. But how can we fulfill this command in our daily lives? Pastor Steve details how as he wraps up a message titled, A New Command. If you missed the first part, you can catch up online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve. We climb back up the stairs into the famous upper room, and we have already seen Jesus wash the disciples' feet. He identifies Judas as his betrayer. Judas has left the room and uh, did so after Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly, And, and Judas took him up on that. And our text now, chapter 13, verse 31 is this. Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. The point that he is making here is that his own glory, Jesus' glory, and the glory of God now are interwoven in what is about to happen. What would you do if you had just a few more hours with your loved ones? You know what Jesus does? He turns to his disciples and he doesn't say another round of wine. He spends his time, his hours, teaching them and praying, his high priestly prayer and at Gethsemane. That should tell us about what is important. He teaches them. And I think this is part of what gives poignancy to the whole series that we're doing. These are the final words of Jesus. He knows he's about to die, which I think as his followers makes them ever so precious to us. And the very first thing that Jesus speaks of is his role in glorifying God, honoring his father, obeying his father, and how God's glory and his glory are interwoven together in the events that are about to happen, preeminently his death on the cross. Verse 33, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I have said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And here you have the disciples now, they're bewildered. They're like, why did Judas leave? I'm not sure what's going on. And what is Jesus talking about here? It's kind of confusing to me. They have no idea what is about to happen. But Jesus knows that he is about to be taken from them. And they're in the quiet of the upper room, an evening meal. It's quiet. It's apparently calm. There's no indication of the torrent of events that define human history that are going to happen in the next 16, 18 hours. But Jesus warns them, I'm about to leave. He is essentially here saying goodbye. Verse 34, and here's our focus for the message today. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one 
another. And as I said at the introduction, he, he calls this new. And I want to talk about how is this new? Now in the upper room, hours before his death, the last words he has to say, I've got something new that I want to say to you. And it is this, you are to love one another. Love one another. How is this a new command? It is a new command, first of all, in that there is a new solidarity. There is a new relationship established by his death. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Notice who he says it to. You are disciples here to love one another. And those 11 disciples represent the church. And as such, the command to love is speaking to a special kind of love and affection that brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow Christians, are to have for one another because he is greater than, he is a uniter than, his gospel is greater than. All of this other stuff that heaven will show was not really that important. Jesus is the main thing. And when in a Christian's heart, he is the great thing and the main thing, that love extends to people who are very different than us in minor things because they are with us in the main thing. If Jesus is your savior, then you are my brother or sister. And that is the most important relational reality. Can you look at things that way? Can we see things that way? Because we do this in so many silly things. I remember, I remember years ago, I went to an Indiana Pacers game. And uh, it might have been a playoff game. And the Pacers won with some kind of miracle thing at the end. I don't even remember what it was. But the joy in the room was overwhelming. I mean, people were cheering. People are crying. On the way out, we're walking down the ramps. Everyone's high-fiving each other, walking down the ramps. I'm like, you know, I don't even know you. Why am I touching you? (laughs) Nobody cared. Why? Because we are all team pacer, okay? We have this thing in common. And right now, I don't need to know who you are. I love you. I love you because you're cheering for the same thing I'm cheering for. And to be a Christian is to be team Jesus, Okay? We are team Jesus, and I don't have to know you to hug you. I don't have to know every detail in your life to have affection for you, because if you're on team Jesus and I'm on team Jesus, Jesus says, new command, love one another. Amen. Okay, Love one another. We are fans of the same team. And every Christian that is truly devoted to the Savior Jesus will get that new command because we have something very special between us. And we have it forever and ever, time without end. Jesus calls it agape, love. It's the defining mark of somebody who is on team Jesus. It is love. Now, Jesus goes on, and he wants to make it clear how this is to be expressed. Is it just words? You know, like we're we're listed on the same roster together, 
No, notice what he says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, notice, just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. Here is another way that this command is new in that it has a whole new paradigm. It has a whole new example or model to inspire us. And that model is the way that Jesus has loved us. You are to love one another in the same way, in the same manner as I have loved you. Now, the assumption here is that if you're a Christian, you have tasted of the love of Christ. You have received the love of Christ. You get in some way that you didn't deserve salvation, you didn't earn salvation, but that Jesus in love gives it to you as an act of grace. You have received and tasted of the grace of God. If you're a Christian, you have to get that. Now, some people get it more, some people get it less, okay? But there's gotta be something in there where you're like, I get the love of Christ. Are we on the same page? Okay, and aren't we thankful for the love of Christ, amen? Okay, and what Jesus says then is, because to be team Jesus is you have tasted, you know a little bit about my love for you. If you're wanting to know how you love one another, take the example of how I loved you and do that to each other. Follow that example. Follow that model. And so we say, well, how has Christ loved us? Here's some words. Sacrificially, according to our need, loyally, generously, first, We love him because he first loved us tenderly. And I might add all the way. And where do we see all of that on display? We see it in the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're like, I don't get that love. You read and study the the cross, the seven sayings of Jesus. Read about his sufferings. Read about what Jesus says about it. Read about what Paul says about it. And come to understand that the cross is the epitome of love. It is love's greatest expression is when he gave his life for us. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. So that is the model, the perfect model, that we are called to follow. And I want you to see here, Jesus didn't merely love us by saying that he loved us. Maybe you have friends and family like that. They'll, they'll, they'll slobber lovey words on you, but when you're in a time of need, they're nowhere to be found. Love and word only. No, he didn't just say that he loved us. He showed that he loved us, and he did so in an unmistakable way. This is not sentimental love. This isn't feelings-based love. Aren't you glad God doesn't love us based upon the whims of human feelings? This is radical divine, one-way love from God to us through his son, Jesus. He gave his life in love for us. And the world has never seen a display of love like that. I mean, even don't believe it anyway. But in the church, not only do we see it, we believe it, we love it. We're resting our whole eternity on this. The love of God through his son, Jesus, And so with the cross then as an example to inspire us and to follow, the command to love like the cross is not just new, it is radically new. It is a radical kind of love. 
And when we follow his example, look what happens. Look what he says. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And here we have Jesus saying that the apologetic, the proof, the evidence that we are his disciples will be the tone and the manner with which we treat one another and we love one another. The world is going to see something in that that they can't rightly explain away. If I had more time, we could explore what are we known for? Or if I could ask you, what are you known for? Sadly, for many people, it would be well down the list when they think of Christians that were known for love. And yet Jesus says, this is the indication in the world that you are my disciples. It'll be your love one for another. And the impact of this is, is plain because you know we can argue in the public arena the virgin birth, and we can argue the proof and the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the world hears that like this, blah, blah, like the, the, you know, the, uh, the Charlie Brown. They don't understand it, right? They're like, oh, you religious people, words, 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 all the religions, they all say things, blah, blah, blah. And they easily dismiss the claims of Christians like us with just our words and our arguments. But when they see us sacrificing for one another, being inconvenienced for one another, when our deeds back up our words, now the world wonders, maybe there's something to this whole Christianity thing. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. Here's Tertullian writing in the second century about Christians. He said this, Behold how these Christians love each other, how ready they are to die for each other. I wonder if Tertullian was writing in 2022. Would he say, Behold how these Christians love each other. I've spent time on social media. I've been watching things in culture. I am amazed at the love that Christians have for one another. They're ready to die for each other. We've fallen a long ways, haven't we? From the example of our brothers and sisters in the second century. We can't change the world, but we can create a culture here. We're not responsible for the whole world, but we are very much responsible for the culture and the tone of this congregation. And you and I have a role in that. And Jesus is saying, new command, love one another. Here's another example, not second century, first century, Acts 4. The group of believers, listen to this, were united in their hearts and spirit, all those in the group acted as though their private property belonged to everyone in the group. In fact, they shared everything. With great power, the apostles were telling people that the Lord Jesus was truly raised from the dead, and God blessed all the believers very much. There were no needy among them. From time to time, those who owned fields or houses sold them, brought the money, and gave it to the apostles. Then the money was given to anyone who needed it. Now, set aside your economic policy preferences here, because some of you are like, that's communism. 
Okay. Set that aside. And let's marvel at the care and the love that the early church Christians had for one another. A remarkable, I'd call it radical, love. And God blessed them greatly. Where did all of this love come from? The example of Jesus had inspired them. Okay, so let's bring all this together now. What is Jesus saying? Jesus issues a new command. Christians love one another. We are following a new example, which is the radical love of Jesus for us. And Team Jesus advocates for the reality of the claims of our faith by radically loving one another. That's what he's saying. Now, one commentator, I gotta share this because it's so good. Barbarian, Scythian, bond and free, male and female, Jew and Greek, learned and ignorant, sat down at one table and felt themselves all one in Christ Jesus. They were ready to break all other bonds and to yield to the uniting forces that streamed out from his cross. There never had been anything like it. No wonder that the world began to babble about sorcery and conspiracies and complicity and unnameable vices. It was only that the disciples were obeying the new commandment and a new thing had come into the world, a community held together by love and not by geographical accidents or linguistic affinities or the iron fetters of the conqueror. The new commandment made a new thing and the world wondered. I say, let's make them wonder again. Let's make the world scratch their head and be like, I don't have a good explanation for that kind of love and sacrifice for one another. Now, we've had some great examples of this here in the last year-ish. I just share a few examples of this, and I share this as an encouragement to you that we are trying in a corporate sort of way to have some radical love. So you might remember about a year ago, we shared that there was a family in our church that had a son who was terminal. And we said, we wanna create a Bethel Church make-a-wish thing. And we said, anybody can give to this. And you gave $144,000 above general fund giving to the Bethel Church make-a-wish thing. That's what I'm talking about, okay? You might remember back in February, Russia invades Ukraine. We're all like, what? We hear terrible stories, continue to hear terrible stories of what's going on. We got up, we said, we got a partner ministry, Global Action. They got a thousand pastors on the ground in Ukraine. Let's, let's try to do something to help these Christians. And you gave $71,000 over and above general fund giving to help Christians we don't even know in Ukraine. That's what I'm talking about. Just last month, we shared with you City Life Center, doing ministry amongst the poor in our community. And we said, they're in a financial need and we're gonna, we wanna help them. So the last month's benevolent giving went entirely to the City Life Center. And you gave $68,000 over general fund. The church threw in 50 and we're sending them a check for $118,000 for ministry amongst the poor in our community. And I... I, I say this as an encouragement. That's what I'm talking about. And I think it's the kind of thing that a church that wants to get radical in loving the community does. Did any of those things make the news? No. 
But when people hear about it in your orbit, and they're like, no, what, what did your church do exactly? Now you have a heart that is open to the why of that. And the why of that is because, let me tell you about the love of God in Christ Jesus. The answer to the why is because this is how Jesus has loved us. And you see how that works? Vertical love, horizontal love. And let's do more of this kind of thing. We're, you know, I don't even know the things corporately in the coming years that we're gonna be like, hey, there's a need, there's a this, there's a that. And we're like, come on, let's, uh, let's show the love of Christ. But my challenge to you today is not so much on the corporate level, but on the personal level, okay? What about you personally showing the love of Christ? How could you do this in a more radical way than you presently are, in a way that would make your family and your friends wonder what's gotten into you? What door of opportunity might swing open this week, especially if you pray? Now, some of you are like, I don't wanna pray that prayer. Can I challenge you? Pray that prayer. God, give me an opportunity this week to do something radical in love for Jesus' sake for a brother or sister. And then have your eyes open to that opportunity. And what will you do when you hear about that opportunity? And what we need to realize is that this command to love is Jesus loving us. He is, he's commanding a path to joy in our life that not loving never produces. So I encourage you, do something radical. And in doing that, who knows? Your children who are watching you or your family that you pray, oh God, I pray for my father, my dad, my brother, my sister, your neighbor, your friend that you pray, oh God, bring them somehow to faith. Radically love and those people might see that and be like, What's that all about? And your example of love could say to the world that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and make the world wonder if maybe there's something to all of this after all. Let's do that. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and the conclusion of a message called A New Command. I want to remind you that you can always go back and listen to any messages that you might have missed by going to thejourney.fm. Well, here on The Journey, our aim is to guide you in your life journey towards the unwavering and immutable truth found in God's Word. That's why each day on the radio and internet, we take you into the depth of Scripture while making its truth easy to understand and applicable to your daily life. But as a listener-supported program, none of this would be possible without you. Your financial support helps us broadcast the Journey's Bible teaching program. And when you make a generous gift of any amount to this ministry, you're helping us reach even more people. So will you help us? You can give by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit us online at thejourney.fm. And when you give, 
we'll say thanks by sending you a book called Decision Making and the Will of God, a biblical alternative to the traditional view. In this book, authors Gary Friesen and J. Robin Maxson tackle the very practical issues of choosing a mate, picking a career, financial giving, and so much more. It's a fresh and liberating approach to decision making and the will of God. You can request your copy along with your donation by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. And while you're there, be sure to sign up to receive updates from The Journey. Just scroll to the blue box at the bottom of the page and then enter your name and email. If you'd rather stay up to date through social media, just click the Facebook logo at the top of the page and then hit the follow button. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve shares a comforting message titled, Let Not Your Hearts Be Troubled. That's Friday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.